Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1037. Uh, All right. Next year, I'm launching the Wizard Guitar Tour. So I'm going to be doing a bunch of dates starting in January. I'm bringing my wizard guitar. So naturally, I had to call it the Wizard Guitar Tour. Um, The first dates are in late January in Columbus, Ohio, then at the Funny Bone, and then in Philadelphia at Helium. Um, Then in February, I have the Punchline in San Francisco, the Punchline in Sacramento, going back to Helium, Portland, doing a date in Boston at the Wilbur. I got... uh, Denver in April at Comedy Works, Bloomington, Indiana, um, Acme in Minneapolis. I'll be in Austin, Texas in May, then Cleveland, and then Nashville, and then some dates in Florida. So all of those will be up on ID10T.com slash tour coming up soon, but they're not just yet. So if you heard a city in there that sounds familiar to you, go to the – Google it. <laughs> go go to your town's comedy club and uh, you can get tickets now. And I'll see you in those cities with the wizard guitar. Um, I've got some really cool artwork for that too that uh, Dave Clock, former artist for all the Meltdown shows, did. And it is spectacular. So I'll, uh, I'll put that up soon. But right now, let's talk about you, the ID10T community, and the corkboard events at ID10T.com. Like John who writes... I'm a solo musician going by the name Wildfire, with the Y, and I've just released my debut concept album, Find Your Home, for free under Creative Commons. The album storyline takes place after a failed toxic relationship. It tracks my journey to understand my ex's perspective and to understanding what it truly is I want from this life and my future relationships. It's about acceptance, forgiveness, and finding light in the darkness. It was recorded by myself in my grandma's spare room uh, with one hand-me-down SM57 microphone. I couldn't afford studio time or session musicians, so everything you hear is me and that mic plus a little MIDI keyboard. The album was released by myself independently on all platforms. Free download available at Bandcamp. John, amazing work. See? You found the resources and time and some of the creative energy, and now you've made a thing. You've made a thing that you've put in the world that people can go listen to. So I'm going to have to go check that out. Thank you so much, John. Um, this episode of the podcast is Vince Gilligan, creator of a show called Breaking Bad. That you've probably seen. I hope you've seen it. Just the nicest guy in television. Um, This is technically promoting El Camino, uh, which is the Breaking Bad movie, which is on Netflix. And we recorded this the day 
uh, recorded this the day El Camino went up. So it was going up that night at midnight. I hadn't seen it yet. And so because of that, there are no spoilers. And I decided to hold the podcast for a beat just to give people uh, a chance to catch up. I, I imagine most people who are going to see it have seen it by now. But again, there's no spoilers uh, in the podcast. He only mentions a couple of people who appear in the movie that you probably assumed uh, were in the movie and have already been confirmed um, for, as being in the movie. Um, he also talks about what a wonderful man Robert Forrester is. And then sadly, I think within a day or two of this podcast, maybe Robert Forrester passed away. So um, if you hear us mention Robert Forrester and not our condolences at his passing, it's because it hadn't, it hadn't actually happened yet. Um, but uh, I think that's all the show notes for this. This is a, a re- Vince is so funny. It almost kind of makes me wish he would <laughs> just come on and sort of do podcasts from time to time. Just he, not even promoting anything. Uh, Cause he's really funny and he makes me laugh and he just has a great way of framing things and ideas, obviously because he makes great television. So, um, uh, and huge congrats to him as well. Cause he directed El Camino. So it wasn't, he wasn't just a writer. He also directed El Camino. So all the hugs in the world to Vince Gilligan for uh, coming back and and by the way, his first episode of the podcast was a handful of years ago. That's also worth a listen if you kind of dig through the archives and listen to that. So thanks to Vince Gilligan, and thank you for listening to this uh, number 1037 of the ID10T podcast with Vince Gilligan. Initiating ID10T protocol. There wasn't originally. I yeah. like I cut into the wall here, and this was just a like a cavity full of construction garbage. That's that's so that's, interesting. That's been very fun. It's like Geraldo's secret uh, secret vault. Remember that? I feel like I found more than he found <laughs> with the Al Capones. I mean, they really uh, the Al Capones vaults. It's got to be on YouTube somewhere. Yeah. But I remember how much, probably like 87 maybe, and they let up, like the lead up, that is his secret vaults. Yeah. Who knows what yeah, we'll yeah, find? Yeah, Will yeah. it be treasure? Will it be spot skeletons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guns, you know. It was. I remember watching it when it happened. I watched it live. I was in college. And uh, uh, at the end of it, and Geraldo is obviously, uh, you know, uh, understands showmanship, but he didn't, he should have had a plan for when it turned out to be Bupkis because I remember watching it live. They open it up. He says, oh, nothing in here, huh? Huh? Well, you win some, you lose some. And then he walks away from the cameraman yeah. and shrugs and walks away. And that was the end of the show. He lost some that night. <laughs> I feel like they should have just, maybe what they should have done is just a little TV magic. Go in, rip the doors off, look inside, put the doors back on, you know, or fuck, even just like, th- you know, th- throw some old timey cartoon bags of money with the dollar right. signs on them, like something <laughs> But it really, it, it really, really was uh, 
And, and, and he, I remember he caught so much shit for that. Oh, yeah, and deservedly so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, you know, you got to have a plan B. You know? There was no plan B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was probably on the heels of the Untouchables coming out. And oh, so, like, yeah, there was right. all this, like, you yeah. know, Al Capone, you know, yeah. fever was in the yeah, air. Yeah, what yeah, could yeah. be down there? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it turns out nothing. I don't know what the. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't really. I, I think that's the only thing I would have done differently. Is just like, yeah, can yeah. we just make sure that there's something? Because yeah, yeah. I remember him just like picking up a broken Coke bottle or something. Like, well, here's a piece of a broken bottle. <laughs> that- Al Capone's Coke bottle. The last, <laughs> the last Coke Al Capone drank before he sent to Alcatraz. He probably, yeah. you know, he, he probably enjoyed this yeah, uh, yeah. soda before yeah. he was arrested for tax evasion. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm done now, you guys. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to be done. Yeah, he's actually had. Because he also got hit in the face with a chair. Oh yeah, on that like he's had he's had quite a he's had quite a career. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, no, that's the truth. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of. I could that one. I get why someone would hit. Aren't you glad you don't work in front of the did. camera? <laughs> Aren't you glad you don't have to? You don't have to. You know, I mean, that's what's great is that. You know, when you write something, you know, like you obviously you can't control whether or not people are going to watch it, but you can right. control the outcome of the story. Right. Yeah, That's yeah. within your power. Sure, sure, sure. And there's so much of television where I just yeah. feel like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, I guess, oh, I guess we'll just see. Yeah, it's a courageous job that you have, my friend. Nah, I, mean, it's I, like, I highly doubt that people would call hosting a television show courageous. But I, I think so. I w- I'd be scared shitless. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd be like, oh, my God. what You know, you were always like, great on the shows. And, and, and the, the Talking Bad episodes – actually are on I don't know if they're on our Netflix but I think they're on Netflix in the UK or something oh. people still and we did that show like six years ago yeah, or something yeah, yeah. they're still like oh my god I loved Talking Bad oh. specifically Talking Bad oh man maybe we can do one for El Camino that would be yeah. amazing yeah because yeah, yeah. El Camino at the recording of this podcast it's two in the afternoon and it came out at midnight last night and I haven't seen it yet but I will watch it tonight yeah. And but I actually think that's better because I don't. I was worried about spoiling anything for gotcha. anyone. Okay, because I feel like Breaking Bad kind of helped solidify the spoilers are the worst crime against humanity <laughs> that happened because it was right around like it sort of coincided with the real the height of Twitter, right? Right, and people watching. Breaking Bad uh, and being like, don't fucking tell anything. Don't say anything. You know, people would tweet about it Monday. Oh, fucking, I don't. And it's like, well, just don't go on Twitter. I gotta, you know. And But Breaking Bad was always masterful at, um, do you ever watch Faulty Towers? Oh, God, yeah. Okay, so oh, you know yeah. there's that one episode where they kind of started at the end and then they wrote backwards. Right. And it's, and it, it kind of is the same thing. It's like, Every episode of most episodes of Breaking Bad is a complicated math problem. Oh, How yeah. are these characters going to get yeah. through this potentially unsolvable right. thing? Yeah, yeah. And so the fabric of the show depends on like you have to take the journey. Yeah. And if anyone tells you anything, yeah. then it just rips the carpet out from yeah. anything. Like ah, goddamn it! So, <laughs> I mean. Uh, is is El Camino in the same vein as that? Like, how did you philosophically hmm. approach this, or did did you sort of feel like, you know, it's its own thing? It's a Breaking Bad story. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. tied to, but not Breaking Bad. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't as big when you see it plot wise. There's not as many. It's not as 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 um, plot heavy mm-hmm. as 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 some of those episodes of Breaking Bad were. It's uh, it's. Actually, it's a pretty 
I, well, you want me to ruin any of it for you? Or how do you no, want I don't think we should ruin it. <laughs> yeah, but, okay, Because gotcha. I don't, because people who are listening, yeah. even if I record a thing at the top that says, like, we're going to talk about spoilers, yeah, yeah, yeah. there are always people who are like, well, how come you didn't warn me? It's like, <laughs> you skip through the beginning. That's yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you know, skip through they the beginning. They don't want to hear me gab in the intro about yeah, yeah. my shows yeah, yeah, and about yeah, yeah. stuff. And it's like, sometimes there's valuable information there. Yeah. So I think just to preserve the safety sure, sure. of the audience who hasn't seen it yet. Well, you're the audience that hasn't seen it. I'm the audience. I don't want to ruin her for you. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> but just in sort of broad, in sort of broad strokes. Yeah, yeah. In broad strokes, it is not as plot uh, heavy. There are not. There are some twists and turns that I, I was uh, proud of, but uh, they're not. They're not twists and turns in capital letters like right. we had on uh, on uh, some of those episodes of Breaking Bad. It really is Jesse's journey. And Jesse's uh, Jesse is a more straightforward guy than Walter right. ever was, right? Uh, to his benefit, I think. But uh, so I think there's a little bit, a uh, little bit of that came into into play. But really, the way I approached it was, uh, uh, you know, it's Jesse's story. What does he need? That's the, the old the old thing we would always say in the writers' room. What is this character? Who's the character we're writing about? Whose episode is it this week? Mm-hmm. Pretty much every episode of Breaking Bad was about Walt, but. What does Walt need right now? What's between him and his goal? Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the kind of. I mean, that's not uh, uh, particular to uh, to Breaking Bad. That's just that's just writing one hundred and one. But yes. uh, in this case, it was it was Jesse. So yeah. you say it's writing one hundred and one, and yet I still feel like a lot of shows don't necessarily do that. And one of the things that I've and I, I know I've said this to you a million times was, you know, one of the reasons why it that, that show worked so well was because it felt like. You had respect for the audience in that a lot of shows, I think, promise the audience a lot. Right. Hey, there's a lot of big mysteries here. You know, and then yeah. you get to the end and they're like, and you go, what, what about these mysteries? I don't know. You figure it out. And it's like, no, you're supposed to. Geraldo's vault. It's Geraldo's vault. <laughs> so much television is Geraldo. It's like, I want these questions answered. And you're showing me a fucking piece of Coke bottle glass, you know. And Breaking Bad really felt like it said, look. We're going to give you five seasons so you don't get tired of the story. It's five perfectly condensed seasons. It's like the exact amount of time to tell the story. We're going to answer all these things for you. Although I just read that you recently just had two reconfirmed yes in my mind. Walter White is dead. Oh, yeah. We reconfirmed that. We, <laughs> I feel like you confirmed that a lot. I have confirmed it in, in interviews, but this is a part of the... I hate to use the word canon because it always sounds so hoity-toity, but it is officially part of the canon now. Right. It is in the movie. Right. It is it is enshrined in the movie. So, yeah. Yeah. So I figured it might as well, you know, let people know for sure. Yeah. So, you know, obviously every show starts with good intentions. Yeah. The network has good intentions. The studio has good intentions. The writers, the everyone has great intentions. But to keep everyone on the same page... It, like, how do you maintain season to season, you know, room to, you know, each writer's room each year? How do you make sure that everyone stays on the same page? Like, how do you pilot that ship? Because that's a very uh-huh. difficult. You're not just writing a story. You're also managing people and a yeah. staff. So how yeah. how are you able to do that and keep everyone on the same page? It's tough. I mean, you're a boss. You, you know, it's tough to have a, a staff of people and have everybody pulling the rope in the same direction. And, uh, I mean, did you, did, I mean, none of it, I never thought I'd be a boss. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, 
you, you say to yourself, you know, how, how when you first time you ever do it, you know, how's, how does this work? And I wish there were a class for it. Maybe there is in business school. I right. wish I'd taken some business classes, but I, <laughs> I, you just, you just take it day by day. I, uh, I don't, I'd love to have some great thoughts for how to, how to be a boss essentially, but it's, it's, uh, you have to be enthusiastic, it seems to me, uh, and you have to. And I have to say, I'm so negative. Uh, people think I'm the, like nice guy. I, I think positive. you're a nice guy. I appreciate you thinking that, and I and I and I, <laughs> I, I I I like to be thought of that way. And I and I generally try to be, and I try to be pleasant. I I not I try not to take my neuroses and my phobias and my. Uh, negativity out on everyone around me, but the folks who work with me day in and day out know I'm pretty negative. But I, but I think part of being a boss, I, I'm giving advice I don't always take, but I think part of being a boss is to be, which I see you doing, which I think is amazing. You have genuine enthusiasm for, for the things that you love. You and have you, to, and you can't fake it. No, I mean, you, you know, because you have to live with it every day. Yeah, 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 and. Uh, so I am not always enthusiastic when I come to work, not because I don't believe in what we're doing, but you just you lose your way in the in the weeds sometimes. I I, I guarantee if any Breaking Bad writer were here uh, right now, they'd say, "Oh God, remember all those times Vince would literally bang his head against the wall and he would say." We're fucked. We're so, we're so fucked. I, it's, a, it's the truth. It's a tr- Why do you push through those moments? I, you have help. You know what? You, you, you realize even as the boss, you don't do it all yourself. It's a collaborative medium. It's a collaborative effort. Pretty much everything in life is, unless yeah. you're a lighthouse keeper or something. Then, then again, you think... <laughs> even well, a lighthouse keeper, yeah. they still need ships to come by. I know. I, I, you, you know, that's a very good point. Yeah. Your, your existence, there's no point to your existence if not for all the ships going that's by. That's exactly right. And but somebody built a lighthouse. Someone had to build that. Someone's going to change that freaking light bulb yeah, up there. Yeah, you, you know? got to gather whale oil to, <laughs> you know, to whatever. <laughs> to whatever so, it is that they're Yeah, whatever it does. Yeah. But you, but you the, the first time you were on the podcast, you said one of my favorite things about writing that I many times have said to people, which is I said, do you enjoy writing? And you thought about it for a second. You go, I enjoy having written. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, past the, tense. The past yeah, tense yeah, is yeah, like yeah, once yeah. once you've gotten through it. But, yeah. you know, the process can be very excruciating. Yeah. And so what was it that made you say, like, I'm not done with this story yet. I'm going to continue. I mean, I, and I know that Saul, but I but I even think of Saul as sort of removed because it's pre, like, it's, yeah, yeah. so it's not, it's attached, yeah. but it's attached because we know how it ends up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what what was it that made you feel like, and I'm sorry if you've answered this 150 times, but what was it that made you feel like, I'm, you know, I, I want, I need to tell Jesse, I need to see where yeah. he's driving to at yeah. the end. Money, Chris. <laughs> no, I'm an artist. I have integrity. Oh, there's a dump truck outside with a, the, the old-timey cartoon dollar signs yeah. on the side. Well, wait a minute. Let's hear them out. <laughs> These are great ideas. Our, our wonderful writer, Sam Catlin, who went on to run Preacher, one of the funniest people. You should have him on your podcast. Oh, Sam would be great, yeah, because we used to do some of those talking yeah, preachers, too. One of the funniest human beings I've ever met. And he, he would always, always have this quote in the room. He said, you don't understand. It's a lot of money. <laughs> but no, I'm, I'm being goofy. I'm being goofy. That is a joke. Uh, it, it was not the money. It was in short and simple answer is that uh, I kept thinking to myself, uh, uh, what I have, you know, I, I, I intended the final episode of Breaking Bad to be the last word on the subject. That's what I was thinking when I was writing right. the end. And I thought when Jesse Pinkman drove away, 
uh, he got away. He got away. It's for the audience to say, well, in my mind's eye, he got away and he lived happily ever after. But the more I, I mean, I even knew when I was writing that he, 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 no one lives in real life happily ever after. Right. Uh, and especially not after you've been in a, kept in a damn hole in the ground. And you've been a drug dealer and yeah. a manufacturer for a few yeah, years. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, well, okay, he'll have PTSD. He'll have some bad nights to say the least, but I think he got away. But then as the years went by, I thought, well, how did he get away exactly? I mean, it. I don't know. It's up to the audience to figure out. It's like the devil and the angel <laughs> on my shoulder. It's up to the audience to figure out how he got away. Their their guess is as good as yours. Yeah, but seriously, how did he get away? What if he didn't get away? Mm-hmm. What if he went around the next corner and the cops nabbed him? Then what happens? Uh, and that uh, coupled with that, you know, over the years I'd wonder, well, what did happen? That coupled with the, the simplest answer to why I wanted to do this was to work with Aaron Paul again. Yeah, he is the sweetest guy who ever lived. He is one of the – I think – you know, I'm biased, but I think he's the most talented actor of his I generation. I love that guy. He's – every time I run into him at something, I just wish we could hang out more often. He's just Me such too. a sweetheart. I feel the same way. I don't hang out with him as much as people might think, uh, not for lack of interest on his part or mine. It's just he's a busy young man with a beautiful wife and a, and a beautiful daughter, and he's got his own life, and I got mine, and, you know, you don't – one of the things in Hollywood, people think, you know, oh, everyone's hanging out. Everyone's hanging out in Hollywood and uh, by a pool somewhere. <laughs> like, no, that's after you die. That's in heaven. That's not in Hollywood. No, it's Everybody's a very – Everybody's busy in Hollywood. It is, and, yeah. and you sort of lead a very – you have a lot of – I don't know, for lack of a better term, transient friendships where it's like you yeah. work with one group for a while yeah. and you get very close, but then your attention gets pulled yeah. Yeah. and exactly then you work right. with another group and it's yeah. like, oh, I never get to see that because they're yeah. pulled in their direction yeah. too. The cor- It's so true. True words are never spoken about Hollywood. The corollary to that, which is a nice corollary, is that when you do run into someone after years of not having seen them, by and large, it's almost like picking up right where you left off. It's almost feels like you, sure. you know, I saw him just yesterday. Sure. In a weird way, partly, especially when you're friends with someone famous, like, uh, you know, who's, or, or if, not, if not to use the word famous, someone who is in the public eye, you know, you, you see, uh, you see Aaron, you feel like I just saw him because I saw him in a movie or I saw him on TV or I saw him. It's, it's interesting how, when you have a friend that you really like who is in the public eye, you feel like you see them more than you do because sure. you're watching them on TV or sure. in the theater. Anyway, all of that to say, uh, I wanted to work with him again, and I knew he wanted to revisit this character. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why don't we do it? Uh, and and we, you know, it, and and the original idea was, well, it's a t- you know, I had this idea that it really started percolating late 2017 because. Uh, I was thinking, well, 2018, next year at this point, this mm-hmm. is what I'm thinking. Next year is the 10th anniversary of, of Breaking Bad going on the air. Let's do something. Let's do some something for the fans. Wouldn't it be neat if we did something with, to explain how Jesse Pinkman got away? Or did he or did he yeah. not? What happened to Jesse? Uh, and then I thought, well, we could do like a five-minute little mini mini episode but, you know, it's just not really cost-effective to, to do a five-minute thing. And then I thought, well, maybe an hour, maybe do another episode. Well, it's not cost-effective to do that either. You really want to make it into a movie if, yeah. if somebody, thank God in this case Netflix, is going to bankroll it. Yep. So that's what it turned into. And it obviously didn't get it out in 2018. But uh, uh, it really took on a life of its own. And uh, I had so much fun doing it. It was my first movie as a director. Had a great time doing it. There's nobody better to work with than Aaron. 
And uh, and my God, getting to work with. Uh, Gee, I don't know. Do I, should I give away who's in the movie at this point? When, when is this going to go out? Uh, it's it, like in a couple. It would be in a couple oh, weeks. Well, then I think uh, the statute of limitations will have. Uh, so, I hate to ruin it for you. That's no, a, no, no, no. I don't uh, mind. Like if you. So we'll just uh, we'll just tell people that we're not. You're not going to spoil any like plot stuff, but you're going to talk about. And well, by, who's in it? Yeah, by the time this comes out, I'm sure a lot of people will know who's in anyone it. Anyone who's going to bother listening to me on a podcast will probably have already seen this. So I so I can just maybe I could just I could just ask you. So do you have a do you have a Bob Odenkirk in there somewhere? Uh, no Bob Odenkirk. Um, is there a Lavelle Crawford in there somewhere? No, no Lavelle Crawford. There's a Matt Jones. There is a Matt Jones. There is a Charles Baker, which was awesome. Getting together with those guys again it was like old home week. There was a Robert Forster in this movie. Amazing. Who, I got to tell you, the most wonderful guy. He's he's of a different generation than Aaron Paul, but he is a kindred spirit. He is the sweetest man, the sweetest person. Uh when you when he comes to your set, I mean, we we learned this on uh, we saw this on uh, when he when it was on Breaking Bad, the final season of Breaking Bad. He is such a gentleman. He shows up and he has gifts for everybody, mm-hmm. and I mean everybody. I mean everybody he interacts with. He's got a big bag he carries like Santa <laughs> Santa Claus. Claus, yeah, and he has gift wrapped gifts. And they are these beautiful letter openers. I have two of them because he gave one to me and he gave one to my girlfriend, Holly. Mm-hmm. And I will treasure it forever. It's this beautiful, heavy, Art Deco letter opener or, 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 or Art Modern or whatever. I'm, I'm no expert on my uh, letter openers or my architecture. But it's this beautiful piece of hardware that, that I open letters with. And it make me think, <laughs> it make me think of Robert Forster. God bless him. Every time... Uh, I see them, and he is in this movie, and I, I couldn't be happier that he's in this movie. He's tremendous in it, and uh, and Jesse Plemons is in this movie. Todd, this guy, who is tremendous. Everyone in this movie was an absolute pleasure to work with. It it uh, it was it was so much fun. I was joking earlier about the money. It was it was so much fun, and it was so satisfying that I should have paid sure. for the pleasure and the uh, and the. Uh, uh, the experience uh, I should have paid for it. I should not have been paid for it. It was it was that wonderful. It's kind of funny that you say like, oh, we thought about doing like a five minute thing. It'd be funny if, it, if they. This wouldn't be funny to fans, but in my head as a bit, just as a as a little fake out. You know, Netflix does all this promotion. You guys, El Camino comes out. And the episode's just Jesse driving away. Ah! And then a deer jumps out, he hits the deer, goes to the windshield, and then just credits. It's just like a it's like a forty five second. Wouldn't that be good? There you go. Well you want to know what happened to yeah, him. That's what happened. He hit a deer and that was it. I don't what, what do you want to tell you? Like that was that was the movie. I'm sorry guys. I saw the onion uh, my assistant uh Mel and, and my uh, producer Jen showed me uh uh something on uh The Onion uh this morning about uh that the movie is basically uh, Jesse Pinkman driving away for for two hours creaming uh, cr- is creaming not creaming no not creaming he's not creaming he's screaming creaming jesus he might be doing that too but he's definitely crying. screaming you know crying. you know combination yeah. screaming and crying screaming and creaming. Creaming. he's screaming he's screaming yeah yeah that's what he's doing for two hours screaming and crying yeah, yeah. boy Geraldo really creamed at the end of that uh, vault thing what do you mean oh he's screaming and crying yeah, he was very know, upset you know yeah. screaming you and know, crying he's screaming creaming you know <laughs> I'm glad we've invented this lingo yeah, yeah, that's going to sure. hit Urban Dictionary in no oh, time yeah. by the time yeah, this comes yeah. out. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. 
Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. But I, I also, um, I would love to hear about your, your experience as a director because you, you know, having told stories from the point of view of, you know, the showrunner and the head writer and the person who did the ideation ultimately before it went to the, you know, to your staff. Um, how did that affect your storytelling and and what what surprised you about it? And is it something you're going to do again? Or were you like, ah, this directing thing sure is a lot of work. This directing thing is a lot of work, but it uh, I tell you, the writing thing is always harder. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah, because, well, the great thing about writing for TV is you surround yourself by really good people in a writer's room. And I didn't see that coming when I first got into TV, how wonderful the collaborative writing process is. It's fantastic because the first five years I was a professional writer, I was just sitting alone doing it, you know, trying to do it. As On X-Files? Uh, well, before X-Files, I, was, I had a... The first five years, I was very lucky out of college, and I sold a screenplay to Mark Johnson, who is uh, one of our producers on the movie, and, and my mentor. I call him my mentor in the business, and, uh, <laughs> and I sold a script to him in 1990, and from that point on until about 94, 95, before, when I got on X-Files, I was a... And I'm, can't see the finger quotes on the uh, in the microphone here, but I'm doing the finger quotes uh, big time. Yeah, I was a I was a professional writer. I mean, technically, I was. I was making my living doing it, but I I wasn't writing that much because I was such a lazy bum. Really, living back in Virginia and uh, uh, my home state of Virginia, which was great living living in Virginia, but no one was holding a gun to my head, not even Mark Johnson, and I was not writing uh, every day. And really, if, I, I use the finger quotes because whether you get paid for it or not, you're not really a writer if you're not writing. Right. Or if you're not, and when I say writing, it doesn't have to be the physical act of, you know, with your quill pen on paper or <laughs> parchment or, or typing away at the laptop. You you are really writing if you're if you're actively engaged, even if it's taking a long walk, you know, and thinking, you know, you are actively engaged in in breaking story and, and coming up with story. That's writing too. But I, I, I got to tell you, I wasn't doing that either. I was like, you know, eating Cheetos and masturbating and, <laughs> and playing video games. You know, that's all I was doing. So that, that, those three do not qualify as writing. Yeah, yeah. So, so five years of that. And then, uh, oh, well, you know, you got all that Cheeto dust on your hand. Oh, what yeah, else are yeah, you yeah. going to do? Doctor, it's orange. Come on. Oh, the oh. Che- oh, I forgot about the oh, Cheetos. Oh, the Cheetos. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah. I'm not supposed to touch it. Okay. I didn't know. I thought it was another Cheeto. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, you know, it's, oh, it, it's anyway. interesting because it, 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 you know, to hear you sort of be self-deprecating in the, in this way, it's just not at all the image that I've had of you over the years. Or it's just like you, you, if everything you're saying about yourself is true, you fake it really well because right. you genuinely seem like a sincerely through and through. You know what? And you must be because I know people love working with you, and I know. You know, the quality of your show, the quality of the stuff that you work on, 
wouldn't be what I just don't think it would be what it was if you were yeah. not a good guy. Like I just don't think you would attract good writers, you would attract yeah. good people. Like it just I think the working with you, it's not an accident that you attract nice people like Cranston and Aaron Paul and Robert Forrester. Like they want to work with you because you are a nice magnet well, for them. I appreciate you saying that. I mean I I, I don't know. This I I I I try I mean, I, I just, you know, you, yeah, we all have our public face and then we all have our private face. But I, I try not to, in general, I try not to take out my problems on everybody around me because I figure, I think that's, that's. I don't think I'm as nice as I seem, but I think I, I, I endeavor to not beat up on people around me. Sure. Uh, because I just figure, you know, uh, you know. Uh, the various sources of unhappiness for me are uh, are, of my, are of my own making. They're nobody else's fault. So why should I try to make anyone else unhappy? You know, no one's making me unhappy. Well, that's I, my unhappiness is all of my own devising. Well, so, that's that. Know, but that's interesting because that's something that I don't think. I mean, if we're sort of tying it to you know, art is an expression of things that we're trying to express in the world, and you sort of feel that way about yourself. And then Walter's Walt's journey, which was just a you know. A, a somewhat until about season until a couple seasons in a somewhat justifiable ego journey of a yeah. guy who just got a bad you know lot in life yeah. through a his poor choices with the company yeah. and also just because he got a bad health diagnosis yeah. right. and then so you're like okay I can understand maybe if under these circumstances if I had I could and then as the start, series starts getting you're like Oh yeah, I wouldn't do any of that shit. This guy's fucking a total narcissist, you <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. And it really is. He really does take like what happens when someone who's never really fed their ego decides to just yeah. throw everything into their ego. Yeah. What happens, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? It's. I mean, it is. It's interesting. I really was on Team Walt uh, at the at the beginning. I, I front loaded. That was the one episode, as I always say, that was the one episode I wrote by myself. And then they only got better from there when I surrounded <laughs> myself. No, I mean, that's not even false modesty. It, I, the the thing, back to finish the question about, uh, I'm sorry, I tend to go off on all these Ooh. crazy tangents, but uh, being a boss is surrounding yourself with good people. Uh, if you can, get them, get them smarter than you. Mm -hmm. Hire people smarter and more talented than you, wherever you can find them. I say, if you can, that's actually, it's not that hard to do, really. And you, and then uh, invest in them the same enthusiasm you hopefully have for the project at hand. And you can't really go, and then listen to them and be honest uh, with yourself when they have a better idea than you do. And if you follow that formula, you can't go wrong. And, and, but in the early days, I wrote that first one by myself. That's the only one. And then uh, it became a team effort, which is the greatest thing about TV. Uh, surround yourself with really smart people and ha having them help you carry the load as a, as a storyteller. And as the series progressed, I realized, you know, this guy, I mean, he took on a life of his own. We did not, I never had the intent early on of anything but, feeling sympathy for this guy. Mm -hmm. I felt sympathy for him. And he really became, through the help of Brian Cranston, who's also in the movie, by the way, I, I, there are so many other excellent actors in the movie. Spoiler alert, Brian Cranston is in it. How could we have a, how could we have a Breaking Bad movie without him? And of yeah. course, he's the, the granddaddy of them all. He's, the, he's like, I'm astounded every time I get a chance, like with Aaron, anytime I get a chance to work with him. It's, it's, it's a great, great day. But 
through the amazing work of Brian Cranston and how he brought that character to life, and then through some other alchemy I can't quite put my 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 finger on, this character came alive and he became he became it became more evident to us in the writers' room that yes, you can sympathize with this guy at the beginning of it all, but he's got a lot of darkness in him from day one. I, I thought for the longest time making the show that, well, you know what it is. He's a good man. And when you dance with the devil, you know, whatever the, whatever the phrase is, I mean, bad things happen. If you start cooking meth, you're going to, you're going to turn <laughs> yeah. bad. Yeah. 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 You know, bad things are yeah. going to happen. You've and, already kind of done yeah, it at yeah. that point. But having said that, th- that was my opinion on it for the longest time, that, that exposure to this awful business made him bad. And I realized later, only toward the last season or two, that was somewhat simplistic uh, or, or inaccurate. He he was this guy from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but never really allowed to express it, didn't never, really have the means to express it. He never it. gave expression to it. He never gave voice to it. But it doesn't mean it wasn't there. It makes you wonder, you know, if you buy that, that you know, how many people in the world – are capable of, you know, we always, it's God bless you, human beings. They, you know, we, we are, at least our public faces, you know, we're mostly, uh, mostly uh, hopeful and, and optimistic, or at least we aspire to be. And so we always say to, our, say to ourselves, you know, what greatness is, is, you know, in potential, what potential greatness is there surrounding us? Everybody around us has greatness in them has the potential for greatness if only it were unlocked and and a great many charities uh base their good works on that and and that is a true statement you know how many how much greatness is surrounding us mm-hmm. uh if only we could you know provide you know universal education and provide opportunities for people who don't have them and that is to the good but the corollary to that is <laughs> how much how much evil and badness is in certain people walking down the street, you know, you, you brush shoulders with every day who, you know, that's a very dark thing to think about. But it's sure. like, it's it's like, you know, how many people in the world haven't killed you just because they're afraid of the police or just because they're lazy? You know, how many? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. How, many, how many people out there haven't done you harm in some way or another just because... You know, uh, it didn't suit them at that. Well, sure, and you sort of understand, like when they were organizing civilizations, and then the leaders, like, well, you know, we'll sort of create these. You know, like we we need our kind of we need to be able to organize people into an infrastructure of some sort. So because we don't know what happens after they die, we can set up these rules (laughs) that say like. Okay, maybe we won't be able to really punish you, but gosh, eternal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flames of damnation if you start killing your neighbor, you know. We have to, our tribe has to proliferate. You can't be killing people, you know. And so you're right. Like what rule, and and that of course is the the underlying thesis statement of uh, like a Walking Dead type show. Like what happens, like what, what happens to people's alignments and their values when the environment completely changes. What happens now in real life? I mean, it's so funny what you just said. We live in a world, whether you, whether, whether, uh, leaving aside any value judgment, uh, as to whether, you know, uh, the fact that it's a much more, uh, uh, secular or atheistic world, uh, than it used to be leaving any, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's up to the listener to, to uh to to qualify for themselves but in the absence of 
eternal damnation, so to speak. What is stopping us nowadays? Yeah. I think about that all the time. I mean, if you're if you're born a sociopath and you just don't have that gene that makes you sympathize with other human beings or feel feel their pain, feels mm-hmm. feel empathy for them. And you're smart enough to get away with murder. You're smart enough to get away with, you know, robbing a bank or whatever. What's stopping you? Yeah. Nothing anymore. No. I mean, well, you know. well, hopefully, you know, what happens is that, uh, I mean, if, if the law is the only thing that keeps people in check, yeah. fine, yeah. you know, but also, um, I do hope that on some level that, uh, the alarming majority of people, when they see other human beings, there is some type of a survival thing in them that says, like, oh, I should not. <laughs> it is bad to go out and harm, you know. Yeah. It's bad to harm people. Because they just, you know, it's like I was just reading that, you know, they had this guy in prison who was a killer. And they just found out, oh, he's not just a killer. He's, like, the biggest serial killer in the history of wow. this country, you know. Yeah. There's, like... Potentially, you know, 90 deaths or something that they, now with genetic evidence, they might be able to, to link to this guy. And there are others people out there. But I do I do believe the number is extraordinarily low. I yeah. really do believe the good in people. I believe that people want to belong. I believe yeah. that they want to connect. Yeah. Um, but with the character like Walt, you really do take the ego's journey. And like this is what happens when you feed that wolf too yeah, much yeah, yeah, yeah. over and yeah, over and over again is. and you know you take away yeah. someone's like he's got nothing left to lose because yeah. he you know yeah. he's got bad di- diagnosis and yeah. you know and so yeah. what what happens then so to me i think it's more of a cautionary tale of um uh don't don't be careful how you feed that ego wolf because it yeah. will it will it will take over at a certain point i like the way you put that yeah yeah <laughs> and then you might yeah. not recognize yourself yeah you know? yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. but i i i really do uh i really do want to sort of figure out what you did to prepare for directing? The I'm view. sorry. Yeah. See, I have a tendency to, to go. No, off you're on not. This you're not tangenting tangent. at all because that was your question. Because yeah, all yeah. the philosophical stuff, yeah. I do want to get back to that, and I do like talking about that because yeah. I think, you know, in its best form, art really makes us question ourselves, understand ourselves, yeah. see ourselves in characters. Yeah. You know, not just be entertained like, oh my god, that show is fucking amazing, but sit back and go, huh? You know, if I were in this situation, what choices would I make? Yeah. What bad choices? You know, were there a series of, oh, he made a bad choice, but he'll still be okay. Okay, he made a bad, and then at a certain point, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> it's not coming back from this. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. definitely not coming back from yeah. this. Well, as far as preparing for directing, uh, you know, the bigger thing was writing this thing that uh, by myself because I was just talking about that. How much I love the, colla- the collaborative uh, medium of a, of a writer's room in television, and I. I don't just I'm not just comfortable with that at this point. I kind of crave it. And this was the first time I wrote anything by myself since uh you know, I couldn't even tell you, Chris. I guess it was uh 20 2006, 2007, I guess 2000 because yeah, I wrote the pilot for Breaking Bad in like 2004. Mm-hmm. It might have been 15 years since I wrote anything all by myself. Wow. So it's you know, uh that was that's that was the scary part, honestly, not the directing. Not uh, having someone to bounce stuff off and well, go, hey, what are you And doing? to be fair, and to be fair, even then, there is uh, plenty of opportunity for collaboration because I'm still, I still have an office at uh, Better Call Saul, and uh, I got Peter Gould there and all the writers. I got, uh, 
you know, all, all our great producers, you know, Melissa and Jen and, uh, and uh, Diane Mercer, and I got all these smart people that can read it after the fact, but you got to give them something to read first. And so that, that, you know, staring alone at the blank page part, that, that part was the scariest part, <laughs> you know, cause you got to have something to bounce off. Of Fade in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesse's driving away. Yeah, Jesse's driving away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Going? It's, it's tough putting that. I don't know what it hungry? is. That's a, that's a weird thing about writing. It's hard to say to put, it's hard to put into words why it's so hard. Because you're sitting in a nice, comfortable chair, you're in an air-conditioned room, you know. You, I mean, you certainly you could do it any way you want, but this, you you are not suffering any kind of physical uncomfort, discomfort, or privation. No, but I think, but it's I, so hard. I Why? think because you are stifled by the burden of infinite choice. Yeah. So, in other words, it can go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I um, I was a, a cartoonist in college, and my my best friend at the time became a storyboard artist. And I said, oh, you know, maybe I'll get into – I was – at that time, I was trying to break into animation. And so I said, oh, maybe cool. I'll try to get into storyboard art. And he yeah. goes, okay. Uh, and at this point, he had been working – he didn't go to college, and he had been working really successfully. And he goes, okay, um, I just want you to draw a guy crossing the street. And I'm like – Oh, okay. At first, I thought, well, that's really easy. Okay, sure, I'll try it. And then I started going, well, wait, is it is there traffic? He goes, well, that's up to you to decide. What's he wearing? Uh, I don't know. That's your thing. Yeah. Like, what's a, what's a guy crossing the street look like to you? Yeah. And I couldn't do it. What's a guy look like? What's a guy look like? Which, what direction is he going yeah, in? Right, like, yeah, what's yeah. the frame look yeah, like? Yeah. Is there a dog? You know, like, I couldn't make those decisions because yeah. I felt like I was burdened with infinite choice where it's yeah. like, this could be anything. Yeah. And so when something can be anything, it's almost nothing. Yeah. Because how do you know which... So, you know, when you're staring down the barrel of fade in dot empty page, yeah. do you did you then jump ahead? Well, this is where I want it to end. Or do you like to see it kind of like unfold on its own in that way? Or how do you give it structure? Uh, you you it's uh, with difficulty. I mean, uh, uh, Peter Gould always says, and I, I think he'd be the first to say he heard it somewhere else. I don't know that he coined the phrase, but he loves the phrase and uses it often. The best art has 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 a frame around it. Mm hmm. You you have to. I mean, you have to. Infinite choice uh, leads to, for me anyway, uh, infinite paralysis. I mean, yeah. And I, by the way, as an aside, maybe that's why I keep going back to the Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, well, because it it greatly reduces your choices. Sure. In terms of you know, uh, and and why next? The really terrifying thing next up for me is I got to figure out something completely different to do. But but when you sit down to write. Uh, I mean, it's great to have inspiration as a start. And the inspiration, as I said, was uh, I wanted to see what happened next to Jesse. But then there's so many uh, – within uh, even within the, the limited parameters of a framework, there's still infinite choices. What did happen to Jesse? You know, did he get away? Did he not? You start with that. And and I – the hardest part for me is the plotting, is the, the part where you are walking around thinking, uh, mm -hmm. pacing the room, taking walks, whatever, that – once you actually sit down and write interior, you know, whatever, Jesse's house, whatever, that at that point, I don't ever do that without having the whole damn thing figured out mm -hmm. in on index cards or uh, in in note form or whatever. I, I want I, – I learned that lesson a long time ago back when I started writing professionally. The first five years, I was, I was not working nearly hard enough. Uh, I was not making myself right. I had no self-discipline. Self-discipline was, or rather discipline was imposed on me when I went on the X-Files and, and you know, someone would fire me and I would lose my job <laughs> if I didn't deliver, which was the best thing in the world for me. 
But when discipline is imposed upon you, then you, uh, you know, you just, it, God, it helps so much. But, but you know, in, in terms of this, I basically sold the idea of doing this and then suddenly oh, I better deliver. And then, it, and then it's like, uh, you know, you, you sit there and you figure out, you, you find your way blindly through, you know, I always figure it's like, it's, it's, I picture it in my head very romantically. It's, you're in this vast, dark emptiness and you, all you have is a little Bic lighter or a match or whatever. And all you can see with the light of the Bic lighter is something an inch in front of you. Mm-hmm. And you kind of grope your way around and, and, and map out the landscape an inch at a time. That's what you're doing when you're plotting this stuff out. And you hope for, you wish for the big sweeping moments of inspiration where the clouds part, the lightning flashes and you see it all, all at once. But that's, that that eureka moment, that Archimedean kind of moment, it just you wish for it, but it never comes. You just you got to do the hard work. You got to keep skinning your knee, you know, skinning your barking your shins and tripping and falling <laughs> down, and you know, keep the match, you know, and remember, you know, map out, you know, an inch at a time. That's that's why it's so hard. It's just like Jesus, why is this so fucking hard? Well, you know? and especially too, because I think you know we are we've definitely. Humans have become an instant gratification species, and yeah. so and and there's so many ways that we can be instantly gratified. And so, you know, if someone sits down to write for even an hour, and they're like, "I didn't have any good ideas. This is dumb." Yeah, and it's like, yeah. "Well, yeah, but you know, whatever, whatever cinematic that thing you're that sort of Archimedean thing that you think you're are gonna you know, the, the the hand of you know Zeus is gonna come down and poke you in the temple, and you're gonna go, "I got it," yeah. you know, like. It, yeah, those moments really are few and far between. But maybe, maybe they're like a false. Maybe those are a false god. You know, like yeah, maybe they're yeah, not. Yeah. Maybe that's that the, the sort of the monotony of the day to day part yeah. of it is actually really. Yeah. Maybe that's the magic, and yeah. it's sort of it's disguised. It's 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 like a glamour spell where it's like this is where the real magic is, yeah, but it just doesn't look like yeah, it, I think and it doesn't feel like you're it. You're exactly right because if Zeus poked you in the head and gave you the story, you'd have nothing to be proud of. Yeah, that's it was, right. It's just given to you. you yeah, the, the, this is why I, the part of the reason I like having written because uh, Rob Bowman, one of the great uh, producer directors on the X Files, he would always say to me, "The pain fades, but the glory remains," and that and that's <laughs> something you only really appreciate in hindsight yeah I, I look back on on moments that we probably all do and no matter what our jobs are you look back on moments you did not enjoy during the actual living of them but your view of them somehow is a little more rose-colored in hindsight you know sure. oh, those are the good times like no no they weren't they were terrible <laughs> yeah they were great because uh, you know you were struggling and you and it was hard, but but the thing that came of it was wonderful, or or at least satisfying. And yeah, but the yeah that the um, so the hardest part to back back to the directing. The directing in a weird way makes it easier because when I write a script for another director, when I know the director's not going to be me, I really have to sell harder on the page. Sure, I have to. I feel this because I'm very neurotic, always. Period across the board. But I feel this neurotic need to explain everything so that. There can be 
no opportunity for error, you know? Sure. So I, you know, I, what color is this thing? What, what does that look like? What shot do I want here? By the way, that pisses off a lot of directors, you know, <laughs> when, you, when you do all that. And it makes the thing harder to read, too, because it's just too much damn detail. But when you know, this was a blessing when I knew I was going to direct it, I didn't have to spell everything out. I, you need to make it interesting enough as a document, as a sales tool to sell your actors, uh, to sell the studio ex- executives who are hopefully going to say yes to it. It is a sales tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you are know you're going to direct it, you can concentrate just on the on the sales tool aspect and less on the, please don't miss the fact that his bow tie is blue. You know, <laughs> you know it's just, you know, you know all that. You don't, you don't have to put all of that into words, you know. So. Well, that, but that level of detail was so apparent in Breaking Bad because – you know the colors, like the yeah. dominant colors, would change. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and you know, like uh, Marie was obsessed with purple. It's like there yeah. were de- yeah. but those subtle little details uh, made a difference because they set tone the same way the music sets tone. They're all just different shades of stuff. And so, on the one hand, yes, maybe you know people are like Jesus Christ, this guys, fucking. Oh, he said I got to make this couch. This star- what the fuck? Why does that matter? <laughs> and it's like well, because it does matter because yeah. every little piece. Yeah does tell the story and yeah, so that's true is as as a as a, a directing storyteller where it's very visual as opposed to very you know word oriented did did you find that your process was the same in conveying ideas visually or did you have to adopt a different style to sort of fit that type of storytelling um i mean I, no i think i wrote it the way i usually write it except for the fact of giving myself a little bit of a breather in terms of i don't have to get everything on the page but uh but then i i, I have a separate notepad and i write down as a director director's note to self you know mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't actually write all of that but that's yeah f- theoretically what i'm doing is like hey vince it's vince yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sign vince yeah future vince <laughs> please know that <laughs> also, I can't remember a damn thing anymore. So I, I get post-it notes all over the house. It's pathetic. Oh, my but, God. My dad used to leave messages for himself. Oh, yeah? But he would identify himself in the messages. Oh, yeah? <laughs> so he go, because he, he would forget to do, he would just, you know. So he would leave these messages like, hey, it's me calling me to remind me to uh, set out the paper. I'm like, who do you, what person do you think is going to impersonate you? You know? Well, like, that's but, pretty great, actually. I love that. This is me calling me to remind me. It's like, you, you, you've almost used up all the time in the fucking message identifying yourself to yourself. You know? That's so, funny. But he was just, he just, you know, I love like, that, actually. just the memory retention. And it was so, the thing that was so sweet about it is it was just so sincere. Yeah, yeah. He really was. It was just yeah, very, yeah. to him, it was very utilitarian. It's me yeah. calling you to remind me. Yeah. You leave out the check for the this guy, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, I mean, I get it. So I told I told get it but uh but it but also you you do have to focus on a whole other level of detail not really because i'm doing that anyway i'm doing you are anyway anyway. i mean i'm i'm whether rightly or wrongly i am not i did not i'm sorry now i fully comprehend the question i'm not there's no less attention to detail. there is a little less attention well it's, it's really essentially the same thing it's the same writing it because i my process uh, is that I, and this is partly why it takes so long. The main reason it takes so long is because I'm, I'm just agonizingly questioning everything. Is this good enough to, 
I was like, yes, by the way, yes, it is good enough. It's just a friggin' laptop. Type it. You can always erase it. It's the easiest thing in the world. If you're if you're if you're if you're if you're chiseling on a stone tablet, sure, take a little more time. But with a laptop, just put the fucking thing down on paper. <laughs> or not even on paper. Put it down in, you know, ones and zeros. Wasting. It's not even you're not even wasting paper. But I, I got this thing where this neurotic thing where it's like I gotta figure it all out before I even type it. Which is asinine. I would not recommend any writers listening to this to to follow my lead on that one but well, no but everyone wants to be mozart you know it's like you yeah. you if you watch amadeus yeah. and the stories it's like oh my god he was you know salieri is like it was like he was dictating from the angels yeah, yeah, yeah. and everyone yeah, yeah. you know like everyone wants to be a genius yeah, you know yeah. everyone wants to feel yeah. like but the truth of the matter is i think that that is a flawed construct yeah and i also yeah. don't think it's entirely truthful and i think you know the the hard like the unromantic part of it, the unsexy part of it is just like, hey, he's got to fucking show up every day. You just have to do something, yeah. and it can suck. Yeah. And then tomorrow, yes, you can yeah. change it or erase it. Or we you know. all, you know, it's a, I love what you just said because it's we all think we have this romanticized vision of what genius is, and it's that it's effortless. Yeah, it's and, nothing and, but yeah, effort. It's nothing but effort. But when you see, and I love. Uh, Amadeus, the movie. Mm-hmm. That's stunning. It's, it's a great movie, but and you and you're right. I, how we all? I'm, I'm not even a musician, but how great would it be to be Mozart? Because at the end of the day, it's not even. It's 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 so effortless as as presented in the movie. I don't believe it was necessarily. I think it works beautifully in the movie. It's the right way to do it. I can't believe it was that effortless for. Mozart. No, but, it probably but, wasn't. But that's, that is our vision of genius, but is even, that it's effortless. Even yeah. if it was effortless, let's yeah. just say that it was yeah. effortless for yeah. sake of argument. Yes, it was effortless. He was yeah. dictating from the angels. He just had whatever yeah. brain, whatever it was. Yeah. His environment, his you know nature versus nurture, whatever. It was yeah. all in line. Yeah. It's also a story of someone who was um, uh, never satisfied, bored, yeah. tortured, yeah. suffered. You know, like it didn't solve any of his problems and you know if (laughs) and i think sort of like you said if if zeus touches you in the temple then you didn't really earn it you know and of course he obviously had to work a lot to get to that point from a very young age however um i just don't know if like this idea of genius is really something to even strive for it's just like focus on the work and not the genius is such a result-oriented idea and it's also it's not it's ego and it's also something that other people have to assign to you yeah, yeah hopefully yeah and you know i mean it's like the 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 people who show up every day yeah who aren't afraid to fail who aren't afraid to try new things yeah. who aren't you know who are nice to people or this or that i mean yeah. they're the technically the geniuses because they've figured out that that's what it takes to that they just showing up that way. Well, whatever whatever word you put to them, yeah. The older I get, that's the more that those are the folks I respect the most and what I strive to be the most. Because say you are a genius, say you are the best in the world at any given thing, whether it's an athletic endeavor or writing music or whatever. There's still the work component. You can. If effortlessly you're still better than 99% of the population, why stop there? Right. Why not, you know, give some blood, sweat, and tears to it and see how much further you can get? I yeah. Mean, it's, but, but it's genius, whatever. It's a word that is, uh, it has messed up a lot of people's thinking, including mine over the years. <laughs> the folks that I really identify with or want to be identified with are the folks, the, the pluggers, you know, the folks who, who – who just put in, put in, put in the hours every single day. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout. When you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up. However you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk nationwide at Costco. Or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today. Using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. Yeah, but I don't know if anyone, you know, someone be you know, someone said to me years and years ago, uh, you know, in this world there's floaters and there's scrappers. Uh it's like some people just sort of float by and yeah. other people have got to scrap it out, you yeah. know, it's got to fight for every morsel and yeah. I don't know how many I think it's really just in the perception. Yeah. Some people who are floaters because you know, maybe it seems like everything comes easy to them, but maybe they just perceive everything as easy yeah, yeah, and yeah. that it's not necessarily that everything comes easy to them, but they just don't stress yeah. about it. I, I mean, I don't know yeah, yeah. if that's if yeah. that's an accurate appraisal of the situation, but I do think that, you know, because we want results ASAP, yeah. it's like, what? I got to go. I don't feel like writing to it. Yeah, no, no. Most of the time, you're not going to feel like it. I never feel like writing. <laughs> Ever. I, I've, I can count on one hand. I've been doing this for a long time. And I and I still, I'm embarrassed to say how little I actually do it day in and day out. I, I should be writing every day to consider myself a writer. But I've been doing it a long time. I could count on, on one hand the number of times I really had a sustained, when I say sustained, one or two hour run of really enjoying what I was putting on paper or yeah. putting, putting on the computer. It's uh, it's few and far between. Uh, it doesn't have to be. I, I've always been jealous of the Isaac Asimovs of the world who, uh, you know, who uh, there's not many like him, but he, I remember the story on him, he would have, he even though computers, word processors existed before he passed away, I believe it was in 92, he that was not his thing. He had IBM Selectrix. Mm-hmm. He had four or five of them, each one a different color, and he had them lined up on some L-shaped or U-shaped desk, and he would have a rolling chair, and he'd go type away on one science fiction story. And the minute he, the words didn't flow, you know, like wine, he'd he'd slide over in the chair laterally <laughs> to the IBM Selectric next to him, writing a you know, some uh, essay about Shakespeare. And the minute he ran dry on that one, you know, he'd slide over and, you know, write something else. He had oh four my or God. five things going at once. That, I hate that bastard. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> sound fun, by the way. It, it, sounds, it was fun for him. It's, it makes me angry how much he enjoyed could, it. Or it's yeah, just like, yeah, you know, yeah. or it's like you know, when you hear that, 
Stephen King was writing so much that he had to create the character of Richard Bachman because they didn't yeah, want his right? publisher didn't want his books competing with his yeah, books. Yeah, it was like, oh, you can only put out like one of these a year. <laughs> Fuck you, I'm gonna write. <laughs> that was one of the best books I ever wrote. I wrote Jesus. There's another Furnius list. <laughs> Creaming writing, <laughs> but uh, but uh, the, one of the best books I ever read on writing uh, was was Stephen King's book uh, about writing about what what it, what goes into it at least. For him, and I, I, what I took, I took a lot of helpful things away from that. But I didn't take away that he loved every second of it. Sure, it, it was a job. He's, a, you know, got that rock ribbed uh, uh, New England uh, work ethic, and it was a job, you know. And it wasn't necessarily fun every minute of the day, but it's what you do, and you take cr- uh, pride in it, and you take, uh, you know, and you work at it. So. Well, we do. I think we do have this false idea that everything should be pleasurable and convenient and fun all the time, and wouldn't that be great? And the answer is no, because you'd get bored. Yeah. And 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 also, it is um, it is very much metaphorical for life in the sense that uh, you if if you can if you can just accept that there's going to be pain in it. Yeah. Like, this is just part of it. You know when you sit down, it's probably going to be fun, but I'm going to get through it, and that's just part of, you know, and you expect that that's going to be part of it. Even just being open to the idea that you expect that it's going to feel that way and adopt that as part of your process, I think is freeing. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't need to expect this is going to be fun. All It's going to suck a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, exactly. And think about it this way. Uh, When you watch... Uh, a drama, when you watch Star Wars, when you watch Game of Thrones, anything, any story you've ever read, whether you've read it or watched it or, or whatever, do you want to see the part where they say, and they lived happily ever after? Right. No, you want to see the struggle. Yeah, of course. It's not interesting if there's no struggle. So why would we expect our own lives to be any different? Having said that, I mean, I'm the biggest whiner in the world. Any, anytime anything goes wrong in my life, it's like, God hates me. And I will, why? There's no more Mr. Pib, you know, there's or whatever. But it's like, but it's like that's, this is my own Al Capone's fault. I wanted Mr. Pib and all I got was a Coke bottle. I hate living. <laughs> it's calm down. It's going to be, it's not fine. The tea is cold. <laughs> But uh, it's just, you know, but it's like, but that's what, it, why, why are we so hypocritical that we, 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 it's be the last thing we'd want to see in our, in our, in our fiction. So why, why are we so freaked out when it, when it, uh, I don't know, you know, we're, we're just complicated creatures. We you know, are. we that's want, truth. you know, we want comfort, but we have to unfortunately seek discomfort in order to live and express ideas. And, you know, it's like, yeah. you can't. You can't go into a gym and look at weights. You have to lift them and tear muscle, and yeah. it, you get sore, and then they get stronger. Yeah. Like this, this is sort of like a—it's yeah. just a law of nature. It it's, is. Just, it's just how it works. Well, they got that. I got that thing where you put the little, uh, uh, you know, electrodes on. Oh yeah, just you lie there and you know watch TV. If you put that on your head, it would just sort of spit out. Then you could get six different color typewriters, and then just all day long. But you because you know because you've been involved in X Files and Breaking Bad. And you mentioned, you know, Game of Thrones, and it, it's it is interesting to be at the cornerstone of like a hardcore fandom. You know, it's like X Files. I mean, it, you know, there's a lot of shows on television. You know, and people. I know a shit ton of people watch procedurals. Now, are those people going to like CSI Con? I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they are. I don't think that's even a thing. But when you are 
when you are part and parcel and, and responsible for something that generates a real fandom, that to me almost feels like it would be a little scary because it, it's sort of like the George Lucas thing. It's like, yeah, you put this out there, but yeah. you don't own it anymore. Yeah. And anything that you do going forward, people can still be like, fuck, you didn't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I made this up. No, it's not yours anymore. Yeah, yeah, you know? No, you're right. It's, you took the word right out of my mouth. It's scary. It's, it's, it's wonderful, but it is scary. I didn't see... I mean, I've said, I, if, you know, balloons should drop from the ceiling. It's like the millionth time I've ever said this in my life. But I didn't see this coming. And that's the <laughs> truth. I, I wanted Breaking Bad to be a success when we first uh, we first started making it. But success, to my mind, uh, meant a very different thing. Mm-hmm. Then. It was There was nothing like this in my wildest imaginings. It was success was uh, getting a renewal and having a season two. It was not in my wildest dreams. I never imagined being in Hall H down in San Diego, or, uh, or, or I mean, in none of this. I mean, it's just it was it was too much to. Why waste effort on even pondering such things? Can you handle it? Like, can you can you accept it? Or are you someone who's like, no, 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 it's too much attention. I don't want. Are you a sabotager, or are you able to like go? I guess, uh, oh, you know, I can accept that. It's an interesting word. I, I guess I never thought of it that way, but I guess I'm a bit of a sabotager. I guess in the sense of I never read. Uh, you know, the El Camino came out today. I, I'm not going to read any reviews. No, you it. should. You should never but, do that, good yeah, or bad. It's not. Yeah, it doesn't benefit you yeah. in any way. Well, because and, and exactly that. And people think, oh, you're so jaded. You don't care. It's like, no, no, no. Quite the opposite. You care too much. And you don't want it to and start you, informing your yeah, how you were. Yeah. If you care, because if there were a hundred billion glowing ones, it wouldn't be enough. <laughs> and if there's one. Tiny little bad one. It's it's like it's got a machete in the stomach. Yeah, just, exactly. You know, there's, there's no. It's it's so perverse. Human nature is so perverse, and I guess I'm more perverse than most. But it's just it. Everyone's it's, like that though. It, it's 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 it. Why does it have to be that way? Why can't we be more uh, well uh, not well rounded, more well uh, whatever the word is, phrase is? Why why do, why do I have to be that crazy? You know. Well, I don't think it's crazy. I just think it. You know, at the core of it. You know, human beings are problem solvers. Yeah. And so you're going to go where the fires are. Yeah. You're going to try to figure out how to fix the fire. Yeah. And then also, you know, our brains are very complicated. And we have, you know, like in in my case, I was raised, you know, I went to Catholic school, high school, yeah. you know, like all but, you know, and there's a lot about Catholicism that from a very young age sort of teaches you to feel guilty about... Yeah, I was brought up about, Catholic too. You know, yeah. like feel guilty about yeah. don't feel too good, you yeah, know, yeah, like... Yeah, and so, so and yeah. so then there, there's part of it too. So when you see bad things, it sort of pokes at that, yeah. you know, that insecurity of like, ah, they're on to me. I'm no yeah. good at this. This you is know. what I deserve. Yeah, or, yeah. or that, you know, or even if it's the opposite where it's just like the sort of codependency of needing everyone to like you. Yeah. And it's like... Yeah, no one, no one has, no, no one's got a hundred percent. I mean, you can, yeah. you know, you, you can find a video on YouTube of like a puppy rescuing a baby from a, the ocean yeah. and there'll still be some thumbs downs yeah. and people are like, this is a fucking waste of time. It's like a dog just yeah, saved yeah. a baby. What the fuck are you? And Why is the camera like, work so shaky? Yeah, I yeah. can't believe I just wasted four minutes of my life watching this fucking baby. I was like, what, what are you, you know, there's haters for everything, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know? Yeah. Sure, and sure. so again, I think it's just, yeah. I, I'm a sabotager, I guess, in that I, I don't know if even that's the right word, but it's an interesting turn of phrase, but I, it's it behooves me to stay away from it as much as I can, even to the point of being vigorously to vigorously avoiding 
things that that any person in their right mind would actually take the time to savor and enjoy. So sure, yeah. but I think we. For simplicity purposes, we want things to be as binary as zero or a hundred percent because then we know how to categorize that. Yeah. What do you do with like a 72? You know, like yeah. what do you do? Yeah. And I think once we can accept that life is yeah. in the middle there, yeah. that it's not a zero or a hundred thing, but it's just that, you know, then we, then our feelings get into it and then our complicate, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, but I just think if we can accept that, and it's actually, I think, sort of one of the underlying principles of Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is a really delightful book. Okay. And it is a sort of, and it, it doesn't mean never care about anything, but it is that idea of like, yes, there's always going to be pain. There's always going to be suffering. Yeah. If you know that, just accept it yeah. and stop going, why? Yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so maybe maybe that's, you know, the same thing with, with writing or pitching or whatever. Because even to hear that you wrote Breaking Bad in 2004, did you sell it in 2004 or did it, did people... People, people would turn it down and go, what is this? Uh, I, I started pitching it in 2004, 2005, it might have been. And uh, the first people who, who signed on to it, uh, thank goodness to them and all credit to them, were the folks at Sony. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach Van Amberg and Jamie Ehrlich, uh, two gentlemen who are now running Apple. Mm -hmm. uh, Apple's uh, TV, uh, I don't know what the official title is. But they were. I pitched it to them before anybody else, and they said, let's do it. And to their everlasting credit... And they actually put their job a bit out on a limb with their boss at Sony, who, who said, uh, this is the single worst idea for a TV show I've ever heard. But, <laughs> hey, whatever, I guess, you know, dude, if you're into it, whatever floats your boat. You know. But, uh, but, but God, God bless him. He didn't shut it down. But uh, so anyway, pitches to Sony. They said yes. But then the process uh, began of trying to sell it to a uh, – uh, a broadcaster, yeah, and uh, it took a couple of years. It took a while. We 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 thought it was going to be at FX for a while, uh, and and FX was great. And by the way, that guy, he's a very smart guy, John Landgraf. Oh yeah, he's, John's. I, I know. Yeah. I mean, I've met with him before, and he's, he's he's really smart. He's very smart. He's a good guy. FX. And I was if if he hears I'm talking about this story yet. I guess I'm, somewhere it's like ah, someone just walked over my grave. You know? <laughs> it's like he's talking about that fucking story again. <laughs> but they, it, it needs to be uh, said that he they FX uh, bought it and and thought about doing it and ultimately passed on it. But no blame accrues to them in my mind because I would have said no too. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't on paper, uh, a great idea. And, and there were other th uh, things in play, too. But all of that to say, uh, it wasn't until about 2007 that, uh, that AMC came, came riding in on their white horse, God mm -hmm. bless them, and said yes. And, uh, but, yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was a, there was a, quite a while there. I had the early 2000s were not great for me. Uh, X-Files ended in 2002, mm -hmm. and I was on that job for nine years, and that was a, Great job, wonderful job, uh, and I, I wished uh, to this day I wish it had gone at least another year, nice even ten years instead yep. of nine. Uh, I was on it. For, I'm sorry, I was on it for seven years. The show went nine years, and uh, technically it did. They yeah. came back, so technically well, they did. Well, I guess yeah. that's true. I guess yeah. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, but not for you. In didn't, didn't help me. Any. Didn't no, help did me not any. help you yeah, in yeah, 2002. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, yeah, then I was kind of in the wilderness for a while because. Uh, you know, it's it's bad when you don't know what you want to do, 
that's its own kind of hell. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yet again, a fresh hell, a whole other kind of hell is when you do know what you want to do, but nobody else wants to do it with you. So <laughs> there's all still, kinds of hells. But you, know? you stuck to it. Yeah, you, yeah there, there, there's as many hells as Asimovian typewriters. Yeah, like, yeah, which, yeah. Which hell are we going to get? The green typewriter uh, hell today? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to get the maroon typewriter <laughs> hell today? But, you know, yeah. you still manage to stick to it, stay out there. So, like, in as much as you kind of talk about your struggles and how difficult some of it is, something in you still pushes forward in spite of that. Well, I, I love the, how you're giving me credit for that. But no, honestly, uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought Breaking Bad was dead. So uh, I was looking for other things to do. I thought briefly about maybe I could turn it into a one-off movie script. But I, it was kind of dead, and I was looking for other things to do. At the time, I was rewriting, writing and rewriting and rewriting. Uh, it was actually a rewrite job. I, didn't, I did not uh, originate it, but uh, what became the movie Hancock. So mm-hmm. that occupied me and paid the bills, thank goodness. But, no, it was uh, – Breaking Bad was dead uh, until uh, one of my agents, a gentleman named Mark Gordon, not the producer Mark Gordon, right. but, but the agent Mark Gordon sent it to AMC, and and the rest, as they say, is is history. But I, I'd love to give the impression that I was out there, you know, walking holes through the soles of my shoes. I was I was not going to take no for an answer. I had already taken no for an answer a long time ago <laughs> on Breaking Bad. It just it came back on its own, or with the help of other people. So, yeah. yeah, it was interesting. That was also a time too. Now we just take for granted because of. You know, Netflix and Amazon. It's like that was a period of time where there was not a lot of edgy genre programming on television because networks were still generally operating under the uh, we have to reach as big an audience as possible. Broadcast. Broadcast, you know, and the cable channels. There were really only a couple that were, you know, HBO was doing edgy programming. I think maybe TNT was probably doing some edgy programming at the time. They were just doing The Shield, probably. Well, uh, it was FX, I think, was The Shield. I'm sorry, FX was The Shield and TNT was, uh, uh, they had some sort of a cop drama on there. Yeah, they got a little edgier after that. But, uh, you know, you're right, there are very few... You know, I was uh, the short short pitch is, ah, I pitched it all over town. The truth is we didn't pitch it all over town because... There really was only uh, FX, TNT, Cinemax, uh, Showtime. Well, I don't know. Cinemax, I wouldn't even count because that's part of HBO. And you do need like a visionary uh, like HBO. a John Landgraf or a Charlie yeah. Collier or someone yeah, who yeah. says, you know, look, we see this thing that maybe other people don't see. There's a gem yeah. in there. We have a vision for this thing. Yeah. And we're going to, you know, we're going to. But yeah. that's also luck like because oh, not every network has that. So much is luck. And by the way, I'm so glad you mentioned Charlie Collier by name. How great a Love guy him. is he? The one best. Of the, one, of the, one of the princes of the business. Yeah. Uh, he's just a, you know, it, it when you, he he's just a guy that cares about people the tell like television as an art form yeah and you know he's a great guy he's just a great guy smart guy he and he uh, for folks uh, who maybe don't know he's he ran amc he was the uh the president and chief executive officer and now he is running uh uh, Fox, he's yeah, running the, the new the new Fox, the yeah, new the Fox, new Fox TV. network, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I can't wait to see what he's. I mean, he's already doing cool stuff there, and I can't wait to see what he does. Yeah, yeah. and it's like you do you do kind of meet people that 
You go, oh, that person's, you know, really special. I mean, the woman who's running AMC now, Sarah Barnett, is great. She's great, yeah. She's really great. AMC continues to be great. Yeah. And, and I'm not yeah, just saying yeah, that because yeah. you don't have to say that because, well, I mean, no, we, we both have shows there. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. but but the fact of the matter is, like, when you meet yeah. people, you know, Sarah was responsible for Killing Eve yeah. over BBC America, a yeah. network where they had no budgets yeah. to do stuff. How do you and, do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's so, the truth. you know, it's, yeah. there. you do meet these gems in the business yeah. that it's like, oh, that's what a programmer is supposed to do, yeah. not just, yeah. but balancing that between like having to have all, obviously responsibilities yeah. to the bottom line. And, yeah. you know, like that's the stuff that I don't ever like to have to worry no, about. No kidding. And, and back to what you're saying a second ago, and luck as a, as a factor, it's a, no one wants to admit it. I don't like to admit it to myself, but luck is one of the biggest factors out there because even when you're working with great people, uh, sometimes you're working with, you know, it's like, oh, everyone's an idiot. They don't even understand. Sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes you're surrounded by good people like the Charlies of the world and and uh, and uh, and they get it and even they can't help you get it there because the timing's wrong. I mean, if Breaking Bad had come out 6 months earlier, I don't I wouldn't be I would never have met you. I wouldn't be sitting here doing a podcast yeah, you with just you. Don't know. If it come out 6 months later, same thing. I mean, it's just luck is timing, timing is luck, you know. They're mathematical equivalents to one another and they and they are, whether we like it or not, they're a huge part of our, uh, you know, how we how we do business, how it works. Where you know, you, you you write the best script you can, you create the best story you can, uh, you put all your blood, sweat, and tears in it, and then you either get lucky or you don't. And it's just I hate to admit it, but it's true. Yeah, but also you know, luck is sort of preparation meeting opportunity. All true. So it's yeah. just that idea of showing up every day. I yeah. mean, you know, because if you did just if something just if just if you won whatever metaphorical lottery or the literal lottery, yeah. it would be difficult to appreciate it again, like the finger of Zeus, because yeah. it didn't have any value to you. It was just like, oh, now I just have this thing. Yeah. I didn't. There was no blood, sweat, and tears in it. So how do I even yeah. appreciate this yeah. thing? But the important the important thing for anyone listening is that if someone is drinking Mr. Pib and masturbating with Cheeto dust while creaming, which of course we determined is screaming and crying. There is hope for you. There is hope for you. Your life doesn't have to be an Al Capone vault. It's not at all. What are you? What are you going to do now? Like, what are you excited about? Is are you just sort of like? You know, I know Peter runs Saul, but are yeah. you are you still kind of doing stuff there? Are you going to take some time to see what new things percolate in your inspiration things percolate? Or are you just going to... I don't want to take too much time. I'm 52 fucking years old. So I'm just going to take too much time here. My knees don't work. i got to write post-it notes everywhere. Jesus. I uh, better not take too much time. Yeah. I don't want to backslide into who I was for the first five years of the 90s back back in Powhatan, Virginia. Powhatan, Virginia, that part of it was great. But the part about uh, having enough money in the bank that I didn't need to work every day. That was the bad part. And, well, uh, listen, I don't want to do that again. It, it is funny yeah. how deeply affected you are by that first five years because there's been another, like, 24 years <laughs> where you – you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, yeah. But still – it's you know you're probably still sort of plagued and maybe that's good maybe that's the fire under your feet so maybe you'll it never because I'll you know, never get those back. five years back and I mm-hmm. utterly wasted them it you was, didn't uh, though because you had to go through that to get yeah. to it's again if you had to go through that to learn and if you if you had right out of the gate in 1990 or whatever it was if you had just been like it's me Vince I'm a, I'm working every day I'm show you know yeah. like I rented an office and I put on a tie just because. 
You know, who knows what would have happened? I could have been driving to Kinko's to, to mail one of my many scripts to Hollywood and got hit by a truck. It's, yeah, you you're never, right. You never know. And, you know, maybe, look, who, who knows what choices, who knows what weird sliding doors universes existed yeah. out there where that Vince did that or whatever. Yeah. But I do like to comfort myself by saying, you know what? I am at this point because all the things that, you know, occurred led me to this point. Yeah. And... You know, I'm thankful because of the career I have and the wife that I have. And if anything was different, then I maybe I wouldn't be in this place. My dad certainly lived that way. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and I do like to pretend like, oh, if I had gotten that job I thought was so important, a blimp would have fallen on me. Like, I do tell myself <laughs> that because then this another part of my brain just yeah. kind of goes, oh, okay. And then it just lets it go. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think you're you're got to trick yourself. I think well, I think your version is much healthier than mine. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I really do. Yeah, I admire it. Yeah, yeah. Is there? A, a, you say. I mean, I'm sure if you're working on something secretly. And by the way, good job on keeping El Camino secret for so long because that fucking just out of nowhere, people are like, they fucking shot a Breaking Bad movie. What the fuck? <laughs> Somehow you shot it. And probably mostly edited it before anyone yeah. even knew it was a thing. I think it was completely edited before. That's really insane in yeah. this town. Oh, in yeah. this, it's amazing. It, that was yet another group effort, another collaborative effort. It was with our excellent, excellent producers uh, and AD crew uh, figured that out. Our actors were. I mean, everyone was pulling the rope in the same direction on that one. And it helped to shoot in Albuquerque, New Mexico. People knew we were shooting the movie. In Albuquerque, they were just cool about it. They were like, they were just, they, a lot of people knew. I mean, you know, you can't help but notice if you live in Albuquerque and you are aware of Breaking Bad that if you drive by, you know, uh, uh, you, well, you drive by uh, Gustavo Fring's old restaurant and see a film crew in front of it. You know, that, uh, okay, I get it, two and two equals four, I get it, but, you know, right on, man, more power to them. It's I'm some- going to go to work now, and I'm not going to get on my phone. You yeah, know? yeah, someone's yeah, yeah. doing a Los Pollos Hermanos pop-up restaurant. They sure are. Yeah, I, and I think it was the yeah. same great folks who did that, um, the Saved by the Bell one, I think it is, and that was yes, great. Yes, you, you're right. Totally immersive, and I'm yeah. so glad that they're doing Los Pollos Hermanos. Uh, I am, too. They are doing such a great job. Those folks are the best. Uh, uh, my producer, Jen Carroll, and I uh, always, uh, just today, we're looking at their menu and saying and looking at the, all the fun names of drinks and 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 entrees and whatnot that they had on there and we're, I can't I can't help but uh, uh, put in my two cents so I'm saying what if they said this what if they did that oh, that's it's so great. much fun helping come up with a menu just in terms I don't mean in terms of the food I leave that to the experts but in terms of how you word it on the menu that's so much fun it's the most excited I've heard you talk about writing is writing yeah. a menu <laughs> that's the fun part yeah. <laughs> It's, it's, you know, it's easy. Just, you know, create this thing that uh, is, exceeds beyond all your expectations and succeeds beyond all your expectations. And then, you know, the, and then you'll get to the fun part of coming up with the menu for the pop-up restaurant. That's a maybe the, easy peasy. Maybe the thing is uh, that Breaking Bad sort of becomes like the Star Wars universe where there's a bunch of different stories that branch off. Because, like, we know what happened to Jesse. But what happened to LaBelle Crawford's character? He's, like, still in a hotel room, right? Netflix, it's so funny you mention that. Netflix is doing this awesome thing. I'm not sure if it's live yet. Uh, well, of course, by the time folks listen to this, they might already know about it. They're doing this thing. They shot this thing with LaBelle where, where uh, <laughs> she used the same uh, set and everything. 
and it's Lavelle sitting. It's it's Huel. He's playing Huel. Yeah. Sitting and waiting. <laughs> and I think if I, I hope I'm not quoting this wrong, I think they're going to have something like 62 hours of it. That is that makes me so happy to hear that. I was making a joke, and this turned out to be a real thing. It's a real thing. Uh, they're using the, the uh, power of technology. They didn't literally shoot this poor guy for 62 hours. I think certain bits of it loop. It was the uh, uh, Samsung Live, Samsung TV. It just ended last night. Uh, but you can still look it up probably on the Internet, right? Yeah, there's, there's must, there at, must be clips on the internet yeah. somewhere of it of Lavelle Crawford sitting in a room for 62 yes, hours yes. waiting. But it was the 62 hours leading up to uh, the premiere of uh, of the movie on Netflix. Yeah. That is fantastic. How fun is that? Well, the uh, El Camino's out now. I'd imagine most people have seen it by this point. As I said, we're recording this merely hours after it was released yes. on Netflix. But by the time this goes up... You know, weeks will have passed, and so uh, hopefully by that point everyone has... Uh, I don't think we spoiled anything, really. You just talked about Not some much. of the actors who were... Oh, and I got to... Well, I, if uh, giving away some of the other actors, I got to say Kristen Ritter. She's, oh, she's in it, too. She is? She is. She is so wonderful. She's she is wonderful. so adorable. I love... Uh, Jessica Jones was... Such a good actor. Great Jessica show. Jones, great show. She is so talented. So funny. And, and great. Uh, she's just great. She's just great. So I did not want to... In this podcast, without giving a shout out to her, too. Everyone in the movie is wonderful. It was such a pleasure to be with them all uh, again. And uh, just I uh, hope I get to direct more movies. I don't see how any of them in the future could be this uh, special to me personally, though. This, right. was, this has been a wonderful thing for me. Yeah. Well, I I really hope that you do get to direct more stuff. I am excited to see whatever it is that you work on next. And, uh, you know... Uh, anytime you want to have lunch or just hang out, if there's a universe where you're like, Chris, I just want to bounce an idea off you. There you just go. To, just to see what you think about it as an audience member. Like what it. do you think? I'd be like, Fitz, whatever, whatever you need. I'm, I'm there for whatever you need. You are you the Uber audience. I don't, I, mean, I don't mean Uber, the uh, rideshare <laughs> service. The rideshare service. I mean the original meaning of the word. You yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Thank what, you. What audience better than you? Thank that you. That's like a great idea. Thank you, thank yeah. you. But, uh, you know, certainly please come back anytime. And please tell Holly I said hello. Well, please and tell Lydia I said hello. I will. We got a couple of good ones there. We got to do a double date. That would be. I would like that double date. Are you guys? You're, li- you're living in L.A. Yeah, you know, yeah, right? yeah. Well, I'm no- not going to say where on the podcast, but I'll tell you afterward. So it's one, two, three, <laughs> fake made up street, and uh, yeah. But we'll we'll have to we'll have to get that together because that would I be do fun. I, I do find what we sort of opened the something we talked about earlier in the show is like you just get pulled where life takes you and that seems to in this business be around career stuff and you forget like oh I still should I actually do need to take time to be a part of the human experience and see friends that have nothing to do with like work stuff and those are the times when I actually feel the best when I'm connecting with people that I really love so I'm right back at you and that's yeah, that's uh, it's it's weird we're more connected as human beings than we've ever been in in human history and yet it feels like we're not. We're more isolated. Yeah, I, I know that's not an original thought, but it bears repeating. It's the truth. We're more isolated simultaneously. How did that? How the hell did that happen? Because our fucking phones give us our, our because the algorithms on all of the internet have mapped out exactly what we like to keep us engaged, yeah. and so we're just surrounding ourselves with ourselves. 
and our faces are in our phones. Yeah. And it's it is a it's a it's a hall of mirrors. Yeah. It's it is somewhat connective, but also, but again, it's an opiate of the masses. That it, shit is absolutely. Yeah. I keep saying this. You know, I feel like someday. And look, I'm still on social media, so I don't. It's not like I mean, I'm totally hypocritical for saying this, but I do believe that in like 50 years or 100 years, they're going to look back at social media the same way we look at asbestos. Yeah, and I mean, like they were fucking around that all the time. How did they not know? It was killing them. And you're like, ah, oh, we were dumb. I don't know. You know. God, you may be right. So, uh, so that's why it's important that we got to go out of our way to see each other in real life and connect in, in real in real time. Good, good words to the wise. Oh, do you, uh, what, uh, should we get a little piece of advice for people trying to push through that wall that we t- we talked a lot about the wall and the, like we talked a lot about being stuck, but did we actually? Did you actually tell people how to push through it, or did oh, we just say like just, I'd be happy just to, fucking do it? Be happy to give it the old college try. Um, you know, so now, so I guess now we've established writing is hard. Uh, it's probably harder than it really, by all rights, needs to be. But uh, and I think it's because we edit ourselves so much. But the, you know, you just got to push through it. You got to push through anything. I mean, anything worth doing is is worth suffering for, and and shedding a little blood for mm-hmm. and a few tears you know uh you just there's no there's no i'd love to give some easy answer there's no me. magic bullet there's no magic there's no magic trick to it you just you just and you know and i i, I steal this from mr stephen king who i think put it in his book which is definitely worth reading you just you sit your ass down in the chair and you do it <laughs> what helps me i mean is it helps me to have uh people threatening to fire me yep. you know but if you if you don't have that in your life uh, you know, what used to help me is I would set an egg timer, uh, or I guess you do it with your timer on your phone or whatever. And I'd say, I'm going to sit here and I'm not going to get my ass up out of the seat for an hour. And I'm going to concentrate for an hour. And the treat I'm going to give myself is if I honestly concentrate and give it my all for an hour, even if at the end of the hour, I haven't written a single word, then I'm, then I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm done until... I don't know. Hopefully, you know. And then you you build it. You just like with working out, you know, exercising. You build up how far you can jog. You know, you start with a half hour. You move to an hour. You move to two hours. But you, 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 you don't set unrealistic goals for yourself. That's that's where we go wrong. Is I'm going to sit down today and I'm not going to get up for ten hours. And by the end of it, I'm going to have written war and peace. And then you don't. And then you're like, well, fuck this. Yeah, I suck. <laughs> I should die. <laughs> You know, I'm useless. We we we're too tough on ourselves, and yeah. we're too weirdly easy on ourselves, or we're too we're too unrealistic, and then we're too tough on ourselves. I think if there's any trick to it at all, and it's not a trick, but uh, you know, you say I'm going to sit here for an hour, and if I haven't written anything at the end of the hour, but if I get up. And go wander off and, you know, read the first page of the newspaper. The clock starts over. Got to start that's, it over. That's the trick to it. But it, if I've sat here and given an honest hour to it and I haven't written anything, uh, you know, I'm not going to beat myself up and I'm going to go off and do something else. That's and, great. Uh, yeah, I think that's the best. That is an excellent yeah. piece of advice because yeah. I think once you start, it just unlocks. And yeah. it's like, oh, I never would have yeah. had this idea. Maybe a nugget of something today is worth something tomorrow that yeah. I haven't figured out yet. So that is a beautiful piece of advice. All right, good. Perfect. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. All right, great. Okay, so that now we're, that's the end. ID 10T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. 
Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the Cat in the Hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast early and ad-free on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Wondery Kids Plus on Apple Podcasts today.